Hello everyone. Today I have on the podcast a lovely guest and that is Caitlin and she is going to be talking to us about pelvic health and the prenatal phase so basically whilst you're going through pregnancy um, I wanted to get Caitlin on the podcast because I think it's really good to speak to a professional in this department obviously I can only talk about so much to my level in terms of pe- pel- uh, pelvic health <laughs> um, but obviously Caitlin works in this field so I wanted to get her on so I can discuss all the different things that you might experience in pregnancy and we can bust some myths and maybe help some of you out if you are suffering with any pain or anything like that. So firstly, Caitlin, can you just introduce yourself? Who are you? What do you do? What's your business? Lovely. Um, I can try to. Um, so my name's Caitlin. Um, I'm a pelvic health physio. So I've been um, a physio for about seven years, uh, but I specialised in pelvic health about five years ago. Um, and I love it. It's such a great area to work in. Um, I work three days in the NHS as the pelvic health team lead. Um, and then I've got my own private um, clinic, um, which I really enjoy. Um, I kind of enjoy both aspects of, of, of that NHS and private work. Um, but but yeah, um, that's me really. And you're based in Worcestershire, right? You're private. Based in yeah, based in Worcestershire. So um, I kind of live on the Worcestershire Shropshire border. Um, so in a little village called Alverley, which is about ten minutes from Kidderminster. So I kind of cover. I see quite a lot of women that come to me from Shropshire, and then some that then will travel to me from Worcester and kind of the surrounding areas. Um, but yeah, we only moved here about two years ago um, and uh, built my clinic with my lovely dad's help because he's a builder. Um, and yeah, and it's been and it's been great. Um, just been building up, building up my kind of caseload uh, privately and then continuing with my NHS work because I think, you know, the NHS is just so important and we you know try and provide the best service we can uh, with our limited resources. Yes. Yeah. And we can kind of maybe cover that a little bit as well and um I'll be sharing Caitlin's Instagram handle so if anybody is in the Worcestershire slash slash Shropshire um areas then you can get in touch with her if you want an appointment and you also have a little little girl don't you I have a little girl yeah I've got a two-year-old or two and a half year old called Orla uh she's lovely um and I think having her I mean I've always I've always loved pelvic health but really kind of going through my own pregnancy and postnatal journey really kind of solidified that this is the area I want to work in when I was pregnant I was a MSK and pelvic health physio so I did kind of musculoskeletal physiotherapy and uh, pelvic health physio but kind of as soon as I had her and I wanted to go back to work part-time I just wanted to kind of fully specialize in pelvic health so I could just kind of learn everything and and, and help up yeah help other mums and you know it's really you know, it's really nice um but yeah uh, I really enjoy it I think it's it's like it's it's really helpful isn't it obviously I coach ladies who went through pregnancy before but actually when you go through it yourself you really really understand it and it helps yeah absolutely I think you don't have to have had something or, or been through something to be really good at treating patients with it you know um but I do think it gives you that kind of level of empathy I think yeah just like the anxiety during pregnancy I think no one really talks about and when women come and see me with like pelvic girdle pain or issues in pregnancy just really understanding why they're so anxious and and what they're worrying about and and being able to support them I don't think I understood how 
anxious pregnancy makes people until I was pregnant and I yeah what's yeah going on with my body um so yeah and it's nice to be able to share those experiences you know I don't bore patients with my own birth story but it, you know if they ask me um you know I had a lot of different things happen in my pregnancy I didn't have that straightforward pregnancy and I had gestational diabetes um and ended up having an induction and it's quite nice to be able to just talk to patients about my own experience I think it just kind of helps build up that rapport and um and yeah and, and just hopefully makes me feel a little bit better yeah so let's get into uh detail then what is a pelvic health physio and what the hell do you do also <laughs> can I just add we yeah. both have a mutual friend and she won't mind me saying her name Kat, if you're yeah. listening so I know she'll listen and she yeah. always used to say to me Angie just call me the fanny physio <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love Kat. I worked with Kat for a long time. And actually, when I first got into um, women's health, or pelvic health, sorry, it's called now, um, Kat was the the kind of person I was working with. And she's absolutely lovely. And I really miss her. She actually popped into my labour. I think I was like midway through my labour in my pants with my little AirPods in. And, and the midwives were like, oh, someone's here to see you. And then like Kat popped her head around the door and was like, oh, how are you doing? Uh, so that was really nice. So I always remember that. But yeah, very much miss her. Um, uh, and yeah, I'm sure you do too. Because she, uh, yeah, you're good friends with her, weren't you? So tell us, what 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 do you do? What is your role as a pelvic health physio? On a tangent then. Um, right. So a pelvic health physio um, basically specialises in all things pelvic health. So um, I have quite a broad spectrum of patients that I see. Um, so uh, anyone with, with incontinence, so stress incontinence, um, urge incontinence, faecal incontinence as well, because obviously that's all part of the pelvic floor, um, prolapses, uh, complex pelvic pain so your pelvic pain kind of that's not in pregnancy so like you might have heard of things like vaginismus or dyspareunia which is basically um pain with penetration um or, or pain during smears um or, or can just be kind of pelvic pain around the kind of vulva and kind of superficial um vagina um uh, pelvic girdle pain so pain in pregnancy so um a, a lot of women present we've got you know we get a lot of referrals to pelvic girdle pain and I think we'll talk about it a little bit later won't we um and I also see men so pelvic health obviously covers um the spectrum of, of men and women um so we see men uh following their, like urology surgery um radical prostatectomies um men with pelvic pains also really really common um majority of the caseload is women um but we do have a you know we do have a kind of smaller um, and I've probably that's probably not an exhausted list and I've probably missed off something that we treat but we treat a lot of things yeah um, also would see kind of your um post um like mastectomy and lapdorso so reconstruction so your breasts as well um so we cover all of it so I know it's, it's pelvic um but actually we kind of branch out into that kind of area as well which is really interesting and I yeah. can really really enjoy all aspects of it really there's there's not really one area that's my favorite I I like it all which is which is always good yeah amazing so in terms of the pelvic floor then can you just explain to us like what the pelvic floor does and how does that change in pregnancy okay so um I'm hoping that people listening to this have heard of their pelvic floor but if they haven't that's fine that's why they're here um so your pelvic floor is basically a group of of muscles um and it's and its job um, is to support your bladder, your bowel and, and your uterus. Um, and it has a couple of different roles. Um, you know, one of the main ones is keeping incontinent. So stopping you leaking urine, stopping you leaking feces um, and making sure you can control your wind. Um, it obviously supports all the pelvic organs. So it helps to 
hold everything in place. So your pelvic organs are your bladder, your bowel, and your uterus. Um, and you know, if it's if it's weak, then it can struggle to to, to support those organs, and that's when you see things like prolapses. Um, it contributes to your sexual function as well. And um, so you've got pelvic floor dysfunction that can affect your sensation during intercourse. You know, your ability to orgasm. Um, you know, all of all of those things really your, your enjoyment of sex. Um, and it works with kind of other muscles um, around it to support your spine, support your pelvis. Um, and it also has a role in kind of pumping the blood around the pelvic area and lymphatic drainage and, and all of those. So it's really, really important. Um, so, you know, it's a it's a nice muscle to work with all group of muscles. It's not just one muscle, but because it's, it's quite a few different muscles and a couple of layers of muscle, we just group it into kind of the pelvic floor because you can't isolate one of those muscles by itself. You kind of, when you engage it, you use them all together and they've all got slightly different functions but they all need to work together to kind of support all of those um you know things that we just talked about yeah amazing thank you and I think that's that's important thing I think when people say oh you know your pelvic floor you just think my immediate reaction is always to go to think about like doing kegels you know and it's yeah, just yeah, that yeah it's just that but then you associate that with maybe just being one muscle but as you said yeah. like when you actually look at it it is a group of muscles which is just yeah. fascinating to look at so how does it change in pregnancy then so during pregnancy um as you know um your body changes body changes a lot so your posture changes um and obviously your, your tummy grows so there's more weight going down through basically through that pelvic floor um and, and that basically just means it can't it can't function as well. So quite often in pregnancy, we see women that maybe present with some incontinence, um, some kind of like heavy drag, like a heavy dragging sensation inside the vagina. Um, and normally that's a sign that the pelvic floor is just struggling to keep up with those extra demands that are being placed on it during pregnancy. Um, and then obviously I know we're talking antenatally, but then if we think about delivery, um, you know, if you have a vaginal delivery, um, you know, there's various different tears and you know episiotomy. That, that that you can have that then actually um you know damage the pelvic floor so so then that leads to the pelvic floor kind of losing more of its function which is why um you know pelvic health physio is so important um and obviously kind of yet your, your health antenatally and looking after your pelvic floor and you know doing some of those things that um you know i think you're doing you're doing perineal massage aren't you things like that they can they can be really beneficial for reducing your risk of of tears and episiotomies and reducing your kind of pushing phase um so your second stage of labor and they're all things that will reduce that risk of needing an episiotomy or having a larger tear um so yeah okay so in terms of um going to see a pelvic health physio obviously it's not really advised going through the whole midwife process myself yeah. it's not advised by a midwife at all at any point until postnatally but I yeah. have opted to go and see a pelvic health physio because you know I'm interested I want to know more and I want to make sure I'm setting myself up for a good postnatal period so, so why might somebody see a pelvic health physio in their pregnancy and do you recommend it do you think everybody should yeah, I mean, I think, again, I think one of the things, especially in the NHS with resources, is we don't have the resources to be able to offer every single pregnant lady an antenatal assessment. But I think it, it's always going to be beneficial to see a physio and get kind of a baseline. I mean, just the basic stuff like, can you you know, can you switch your pelvic floor on? Are you doing it correctly? Because ultimately, your technique is is so important. So, you know, um, 
quite often, you know, we get patients present to us that ha- are already having problems. So they would more than likely be referred by their midwife. Um, you know, if one of those, um, if they had kind of symptoms that they thought well, you maybe want to see a physio. So if they, um, you know, presented at one of their post um, antenatal appointments and they said, you know, I'm leaking, um, I'm getting symptoms of prolapse or I'm getting carpet girdle pain. So those patients do tend to be referred to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you know, we can assess them, look at their pelvic floor, um, you know, if it's appropriate, there's no reason we can't do internal assessments with them to check their kind of baseline pelvic floor function and, and kind of work from that. Um, but even women that are asymptomatic, so have absolutely no symptoms of, of um, incontinence or prolapse or pelvic girdle pain in pregnancy, it, it still is beneficial to see a physio because we can give you that baseline, we can check your technique, we can just talk to you about, you know, you keeping your pelvic um, floor um kind of healthy during pregnancy so so um you know making sure you're doing pelvic floor exercises the recommended amount of time you should be you should be doing it for in the day checking your technique uh, talking about things like avoiding constipation constipation is you know and straining is a really big risk factor for prolapse and pelvic floor dysfunction so i think you know it's beneficial for 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 all women uh, to see a physio if you know if they're able to um you know at the very least they should be doing the pelvic floor exercises the nhs has a really good app called the squeezy app which um i know in worcestershire um your midwife or physio can kind of give you a code um, and you can get it free um kind of within that year antenatal period and i think kind of a year postnatal you, you can have it free so yeah i think that it can be beneficial for for anyone to to, to see us really and early intervention with things like pelvic girdle pain and pelvic floor dysfunction is really important so even the women that think oh I'm you know I'm okay I only leak occasionally like when my bladder's full or or you know when I sneeze they might think oh that's normal and, and their friends and family will say oh yeah that's really normal in pregnancy but it's not um and getting on top of things early you know you're going to have the best the best chance of, of recovering aren't you postnatally and and you're going to get on well with that rehab and i know we probably mention it a little bit more later but things like diverification there's a lot of things in pregnancy that make women anxious and they don't know where to turn and they start you know asking dr google and we know that google just it just isn't that good there's just too much information out there and it's all a bit overwhelming so even just getting that reassurance to say you know this is really normal this is fine don't worry about it you know keep moving encouraging exercise in pregnancy exercise in you know uncomplicated pregnancies it is really really important and it actually reduces your your risk of things like gestational diabetes and preeclampsia so um just getting that advice from us even if it's just a one-off antenatal kind of screening um i think that yeah it could be beneficial for everyone and and ultimately that you know that is the aim um you know within the nhs within the team i work in that's what we absolutely love to be able to do and and there is quite a lot of funding at the moment you know luckily they're pumping a bit of money into into pelvic health so there are some um new kind of teams and and different projects that they're working on to be able to offer um women antenatal physiotherapy access but at the moment kind of within the nhs it's really only if you trigger and you've got any of those symptoms that's the only way you'll you'll really get a referral but i would still you know i would still advise pushing for it you know there's no harm in asking um you know some midwives will be happy to refer you to us and um you know just to just see us and then alternatively there obviously are a lot of private physios around that would also be more than happy to to see women so so yeah i think overall it, it is beneficial um for everyone but especially those women that are getting any sort of symptoms of incontinence, prolapse, pelvic girdle pain, um, I would encourage those ladies to get kind of um, yeah immediate intervention if, if they're able to.
Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I went to my pelvic health is here and I, I didn't really have any issues, but I went around 20 weeks um, mm. and I was like, I know that's a good time because, you know, if I get to 20 weeks, then, you know, hopefully baby's OK. And, you know, I had my scan. Yeah. And for me, I just wanted to go to one, build rapport. I think it's really important to build rapport yeah, with yeah. a specialist because, yeah, you know, if I go through labor and I do tear, I want to be with somebody that, you know, understands me, I've got a relationship with already. And also, as soon as that door was opened, as soon as we sat down and we had a chat, I was kind of like, oh, you know, I'm not really experienced anything, but actually I've got this little pain here. And, you know, yeah. when I do a wide stance in, you know, a squat, I actually feel a bit uncomfortable. And it's amazing once you start getting into a conversation of all the little different things that you didn't know or you just needed. I think it really helps with reassurance because in pregnancy, you just feel like you're kind of winging it the whole way yeah. through. And I think even though you, you said before, there's this like thing about things being normal like it's normal to experience certain things but just because they're normal doesn't mean we should accept them absolutely yeah no and actually you know people go oh yeah pelvic girdle pain it's it's normal you will get it in pregnancy yes it is normal but that doesn't mean you have to suffer yeah 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 and I think and again like differentiating between kind of normal and common it's we say it's normal to reassure women that it's not something that they need to really really worry about you know it's not dangerous for baby it's not dangerous for them um but actually you know pelvic girdle pain is is treatable and it shouldn't be something that women have to put up with in in pregnancy but it you know but it's so common I think a lot of the figures say about kind of one in five women although I would say anecdotally I think it's a lot higher than that um there's just those women that you know they google it or they ask their friend and they say yeah I had that don't worry about it and they don't ever seek any support so you know all of the research and all of the kind of figures they really only come from women that have presented you know to a physio or or to their midwife and said yeah I am getting this pain so there's going to be a good chunk of women that actually don't ever seek help for it and just kind of ignore it and, and struggle on so um so yeah and, and and you're right it's the same with pelvic floor dysfunction as well you know all the adverts on tv um you know about you know, various different pads not going to say any company's names um but they you know they make that like it's really normal to you know have a baby and then not be able to go on the trampoline or not be able to cough and laugh and sneeze without leaking or you know or start leaking after the menopause and all of those things that they're not normal um they're just really common so you know society would have you believe um that they're normal and women should just put up with it and you know and that's not right and I think that's probably why I love working in this area so much because you know the, the women you know when we resolve that their issues they're so grateful because yeah. you know, bladder and bowel control and, and being comfortable from kind of you know you know not being in pain is so important for your quality of life it's it's just like one of the basic things that you you need to be able to do and and yeah so uh I think it is really important um so you've already talked about some of them but can you just explain what the most common symptoms and issues are that pregnant women come to you and kind of explain like what they are like we've mentioned pelvic girdle pain quite a few yeah. times but for some people listening they might be like I don't really know whether I've got that is that yeah. what I've got, you know so can you explain a few sort of uh I can try I can try to uh, yeah so like I said I think one of the most common um kind of referrals or complaints we get in pregnancy is is pelvic girdle pain and pelvic girdle pain really is an umbrella term for any pain experienced um kind of by a pregnant woman in in pregnancy that's not related to something like a UTI um or or you know Braxton Hicks or, or kind of something else that could cause that, that 
kind of discomfort. Um, so, so really any any pelvic pain in kind of the pubic bone, so the kind of the point at the front of your pelvis, down your legs, um, kind of sciatic pain, um, you know, back pain, and, and that's kind of lower back and, 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 you know, thoracic, so kind of mid-back pain, hip pain, that would all kind of come under that umbrella term of, of pelvic girdle pain. And historically it was called S. PD, so symphysis pubic dysfunction, and that literally would just um, that just explains that that kind of joint at the front of your pelvis. Whereas we know that women don't just present with pain there; they can present with pain kind of all over the pelvis, and like I said, you know, down the back of their legs, like sciatic type pain, and and that's all that's all pelvic girdle pain. Um, and it's you know pelvic girdle pain; it's tricky to treat. It is treatable, like I said, it, it absolutely is. But as a profession, we aren't we're not hundred percent sure what causes pelvic girdle pain. And I mean, obviously, if we don't know exactly what causes it, it's slightly more complex to treat. Um, historically, it used to be called like pelvic instability, um, which is just a terrible term because I think if you, you know, if you're pregnant and someone tells you your pelvis is unstable, you know, you're gonna panic, you're gonna not, you're not gonna move properly, you're gonna kind of try and avoid things because you know instability, you start worrying about dislocations and all kind of all of those kind of things. But we've moved away from we thankfully moved away from that now so we know the pelvis isn't isn't unstable it's perfectly stable it, you know it's designed you know you're designed to carry you know to carry a baby and and you know go through labor um so what we think um well, what the research suggests is that actually what happens with pelvic girdle pain is those tissues around the pelvis actually just become more sensitized um um, because of you know various hormones and different kind of biomechanical changes so you know you know yourself your, your body changes loads and quite rapidly when when you're pregnant you know um and your posture will change the way you move will change and you know your muscles around the pelvis you know we've already talked about the pelvic floor um they have to change and they have to adapt um so you can get kind of stiffness in the joints and and, and that can that can kind of feed into pelvic girdle pain but there's actually it, it's so much more kind of multifactorial than it just being about the, you know, the joints and just the pelvis. There's loads of other things that feed into it. Um, and we know that some of the risk factors, are, you know, one of the big risk factors is, is having back or pelvic pain prior to getting pregnant okay. um, because those tissues are probably already um, sensitized because there's been pain there before or there's been some sort of kind of dysfunction in the lumbar spine or, 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 or kind of the pelvic girdle um, and, and previous pelvic trauma as well. So that might be, you know, um, a, a difficult delivery um, or even a traumatic delivery. It doesn't necessarily have to even be that it was traumatic to those muscles. You know, it might just be that the ladies had a a first degree tear which you know technically wouldn't have, have you know wouldn't have damaged the pelvic floor um too much but if the actual experience was traumatic for the lady so you know covid is a really good example of that women not being able to have their partners with them that you know you know i was lucky enough to have my daughter kind of a week and a half before we went into lockdown and i don't know what i would have done without my husband being there with me um so that in itself is traumatic it doesn't have to be a physical trauma it, it can just as much be kind of a, a um, I can't think of the word, but a kind of a, a psychological, like psychological kind yeah. of kind of trauma, and and your the way your brain stores traumatic experiences is very different from the way it stores other experiences, and that can really have a big impact on your on your nervous system, and 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 then that means then when things start to change down there again, your body just doesn't really know how to handle it, and it wants to send those signals to your brain to say, oh, you know, something's going on again. You know, last time this happened, we had a really traumatic experience. So it's trying to, your body's doing its best at trying to kind of warn you that something's happening. Um, but unfortunately, 
that causes things like pelvic girdle pain um and you know other factors like sleep is so important um you know there's so many other things um you know your you know how happy you are not how happy you are but like you know your work you work as well like how supportive they are of you all of those things kind of feed into that pain so it's not just as simple as it being you know a, a biomechanical change in 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 the um kind of in the pelvic girdle there's so much more that goes on around it and you know sometimes in our assessments it's just unpicking some of those things um can can really help actually and just giving you know women re reassurance and trying to kind of down regulate their system to to cal calm it down a little bit um about you know all the all the changes and, and what's happening um, and is, is there anything i mean i know <laughs> can't say like a sweeping statement for no, no. is there anything that people can do to help yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there there 100% is and and kind of yeah, there's a lot of kind of like advice booklets out there and videos that will give you that kind of generalized advice for pelvic girdle pain. Um so um the POGP um which is a kind of a physiotherapy so it's the the I can never remember <laughs> remember which what, what it stands for but the um physiotherapy something gynecology I can't even remember it now off the top of my head but I just got the GP they do a good um a really good um leaflet on kind of managing pelvic girdle pain for patients and that's got a lot of tips in it um so things like sleeping positions you know pillow between your pillow between your legs um to try and kind of maintain symmetry um while you sleep um and I would say with that yeah pillow between your legs is really important but also kind of pillow between your ankles as well it's not just kind of just in between the legs I would go for kind of trying to maintain symmetry kind of the whole way down down your legs um you know trying different sleeping positions I know it's difficult in pregnancy because obviously we tell you to sleep on your left side so um but you know trying different kind of support you need a bit of support under bump um you know looking at putting something that's a little bit more comfortable underneath you so some women will like fold up a duvet and put it on top of their um on top of their mattress just to give them a little bit more support um trying not to do you know with pelvic girdle pain we quite often find that those positions where your pelvis is um asymmetrical are uncomfortable so I think we talked about it things like lunges um and going up and down the stairs standing on one leg to get dressed um don't ever want to scare women and make them think they can't do certain activities they absolutely can but where they can adapt a little bit that can actually make a massive difference so you know sitting down to get dressed um trying different ways of climbing the stairs that, that don't aggravate you especially if you're getting kind of pubic bone pain um trying to adapt to different activities um you know you can absolutely still exercise um it's just that things like walking unfortunately tend to be one of the big things that flares up pelvic girdle pain and that's because of that shearing on that joint and it's because it's an asymmetrical movement you don't want to stop women from walking walking is really important um but it's kind of pacing yourself could you go for a 25 minute walk with the dog twice a day rather than going for one hour at a time and not allowing those structures to rest and kind of calm down a, a little bit um but ultimately uh, i would say just early intervention with a, with a pelvic health physio is probably the best thing because we can talk about some of those other factors that surround pelvic girdle pain that I've already mentioned um, and really kind of work on, on you know, other things that we think might help with, with their pain. So adapting their activity. Um, obviously, if a, a woman came to see me for pelvic girdle pain, I do a I do a full assessment. So we, we get a kind of full subjective assessment. So we're, you know, we want to know about any 
history of pelvic pain and what their, what their work's like, what their support network is like as well. That's really, really important. You know, what their stress levels are like, what their sleep's like. Um, and then, you know, anything else that we think could be contributing towards towards the pain. Um, and then I would do kind of a full assessment of, you know, the back, the the pelvis, um, the legs, nerves, um, you know, neural assessment, if they're getting any kind of pins and needles or, or kind of neurally kind of symptoms. Um, and then go from go from there really so in terms of treatment it tends to be um lifestyle changes is a big one and all women can start that early so even if you've you know called the physio department and you can't get an appointment for three weeks you can still start doing some of those little things to to help yourself and actually if you come into the appointment and you can say to us actually this helped me you know going up upstairs just using kind of want like a step two gait or or sitting down to get dressed really helped with my pain that really guides us with what we think might be causing the pain um and then obviously when they're with us in person we can do things like manual therapy um to you know help any um you know help get some of their joints moving a little bit and and it's not so much that um you know the, the manual therapy is is changing loads within the joint um but actually we know that that manual therapy can really help can really help your pain so kind of reteach some of those nerves and calm down some of those nerves um and kind of stop them sending all those pain signals to to your brain um and then kind of more specific and tailored exercises for, for that woman see what they're able to do um sometimes we start really really basic and kind of build up as their pain improves um and, and you know sometimes you have your, your higher level um women that come to see us that maybe you're only getting pain you know when they when they squat or they're only getting pain you know towards the end of their run so looking at kind of higher level um exercises that they can do that will then kind of help them um kind of keep going with their exercise really um so yeah it's all really individualized which again is is hard and quite frustrating for women and I know one of the things that I always feel particularly guilty about um is that we kind of within the NHS our resources are so stretched that we don't we aren't able to offer women a face-to-face appointment immediately so what what we do um you know and any women that are in Worcester that have had their midwife and pelvic girdle pain will know that we send them a video to begin with that's got kind of all the general advice on um and we want them to watch it and want them to watch it to the end because it, it's useful all of those exercises on there m- might not be appropriate for them they're not going to be dangerous but but sometimes women will say actually that one made my pain feel a little bit worse so sometimes it's a little bit like trial and error with you know what helps what doesn't help um and then from that um you know as soon as they've got the video that kind of they'll they'll get a letter and the letter will say if if this isn't enough please call us and book an appointment and then we, we will see them face to face and 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 that's ultimately as a resource thing it's not that we it's not that we think that that's the the best way of managing it it's the only way to at the moment to manage the kind of vast amount of referrals we get um without you know if we offered everyone a face-to-face appointment people have had that people have had their babies by the time they they got to they got to see us unfortunately um you know and we are pushing for more funding and more physios um but it's hard everything is just so so stretched but I would absolutely encourage any woman that is really struggling you know if they've contacted you know and I think it's the way that a lot of NHS trusts manage the pelvic girdle pain at the moment if they've you know if they've if that kind of activity modification and that little bit of a kind of general advice doesn't work for them seek a face-to-face appointment and you should be able to just in most cases just call the department and say I want to see a physio and that you know that'd be absolutely fine um 
and then alternatively obviously there are kind of private physios around that could could see you face face to face potentially a little bit sooner but we are busy I you know you know a lot of my friends that that work privately we get a, you know we get a lot of women um coming in with with pelvic girdle pain and not even because some you know, sometimes they're quite happy with with the nhs treatment but it's just that they they can't be seen as regularly as they feel they need to or they can't get that initial appointment um you know they can't get their initial appointment as soon as they'd want to or you know it's that they can't actually get to an appointment at nine o'clock in the morning because they're still working and you know their work won't give them the time off for, for that appointment because they're already going to all their midwife appointments so being able to offer a really early morning appointment or an evening appointment or you know I offer Saturday appointments because I think you know most people generally can can get to me on a Saturday um you know it, it's just important to have that flexibility for the women as well so they can they can get support if they if they need it thank you that was amazing I think that's really good to talk about as well you know the NHS side of things because sometimes the NHS does get scrutinized and at the end of the day it's not your fault it's not your the physio's fault it's it's the time and the limitations that you have you know you do have limited time to see people and sometimes I know as a you know a working professional myself like sometimes you do need to give people more time and and when you don't physically have that because your job doesn't allow you to it can be quite frustrating as a professional as well um so just I know we've talked quite a lot about pelvic girdle pain but it's probably (laughs) one of the most common things that crops up is there anything actually people can do before they get pregnant to help prevent pelvic girdle pain so I think if you if you know if you're someone that's got back pain or pelvic pain seeking physio support and advice to try and resolve that pain before you get pregnant you know would potentially help looking at kind of you know what what muscles are particularly weak if there is any pelvic floor dysfunction um or anything going on from that point of view can can really help and i mean there have been um i think one of the problems with pelvic girdle pain is it's just not well researched enough um they just you know there just hasn't been enough research studies done on pelvic girdle pain and you know luckily because kind of pelvic health physio is a growing kind of area of interest there are a lot of studies being done kind of right now um into pelvic girdle pain and postnatal rehab which is great but it means we don't have the information yet but there are some small studies that have suggested that the the fit not necessarily the fitter but the the stronger your you know your muscles around your kind of pelvis are and and the better they function going into pregnancy can reduce your risk of pelvic girdle pain and I would say anecdotally that's kind of what I see um a, a lot of women that maybe are gym goers and do you know train legs train core um and are generally quite their pelvis kind of functions quite well and and, and they're strong going into pregnancy tend to get lower levels of pelvic girdle pain or not experience pelvic girdle pain although that is just very anecdotal from myself that again might not be true other physios might be listening to this thinking no that's not what I see but that tends to be tends to be what I see so so yeah so uh, you know if you you know if you're really worried about pelvic girdle pain then there's no harm kind of while you're trying to conceive going to see a, a pelvic health specialist just to say you know you know what's going on with me is there anything I can work on prior to becoming pregnant um that, that you think will help um but yeah again because we don't necessarily understand exactly what causes pelvic girdle pain it you know it's it's hard to it's hard to suggest kind of specific things that that will make a make a massive difference yeah Absolutely. Yeah. And of course, I'm going to I was sitting there smiling, as she said, uh, those people who go to the gym and strength train, you know, uh, it can help prevent it. And, uh, you know, from my own personal experience, and, you know, I'm one of 
very many millions of pregnant women in the UK and elsewhere, you know, I have had very, very low symptoms of pelvic girdle pain. I think me and Caitlin had a quick chat um, a few weeks ago and I said I was getting a little bit of um, uh, SPD pain. So in, in the front and I just said, you know, whilst I was walking, if I get over an hour, that's when I start to really feel like it's almost like your pubic bone at the front, your, your fanny bone at the front. Yeah, yeah. It feels like it's kind of grinding a little. Yeah, it is, and we call it like hearing grinding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's exactly and what it is. now I know. Okay, well, it you know, at about an hour, that's enough for me. That's enough for my body. I just don't go over that, you know. And the days where I do feel it elsewhere, I have also found that just releasing my hip flexors massively helps you know just doing some gentle hip flexor releases kind of really um yeah reduces that pain so I think actually going into pregnancy you know prior to pregnancy if you have good body awareness and you are aware of certain muscles and that kind of thing you can kind of find movements that will help you but if you don't have that body awareness if you've never strength trained if you've never exercised it can you can feel very lost and not really know what these things are or how to relieve yourself you know and and that sort of thing so yeah um okay let's quickly cover some other things that you might see incontinence oh incontinence yes sorry that's yeah that's that's a big one so um yeah so women um kind of within pregnancy starting to experience in kind of worsening or 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 for the first time starting to experience stress incontinence so different types of incontinence um so stress incontinence would be leaking from your bladder when you cough laugh sneeze um you know stand up anything basically that raises your intra-abdominal pressure that puts pressure down through the pelvic floor that means it can't kind of I don't know why I'm showing you through the camera because I'm <laughs> showing you a squeeze um but actually you can only hear my voice can't you um so uh yeah anything that basically where the pelvic floor can't can't control um control that urethra and and, and causes you to causes you to leak um prolapse as well in pregnancy um we sometimes see as well as the pelvic floor starts to get weaker and those pelvic organs start to move down a little bit um so yeah so that's quite that is relatively common um in pregnancy like we talked about um and those women often get referred by their midwives or their gps um and we would do kind of um a pelvic floor assessment so um if they're if it's safe to do an internal examination so we tend to go kind of over 12 weeks after they've had their 12-week scan if they haven't been told by their consultant or their midwife that they're not allowed to have sexual intercourse and obviously if they consent to having an internal vaginal examination um, then, we, then we can and we can look at their pelvic floor and, and how it's functioning and if they have got any prolapses or anything that we need to work on um, those women that can't have internal assessments I quite often would do an external assessment so I would still get them to take you know their clothes off on their lower half line on the, you know, lie on the bed um, and and contract their pelvic floor and externally, you know, does it look like they're doing the right thing? Are they overusing their glutes? Are they overusing their tummy muscles, which is really really common, um, and just really correcting their technique. And like I said, kind of previously, just talking about pelvic floor health, so avoiding constipation, um, doing their pelvic floor exercises regularly, um, and really making sure they are doing their pelvic floor exercises. Um, properly so are they contracting but are they also relaxing because your pelvic floor needs like any muscle to function properly it needs to be able to move through its full range um so you know to be able to 
fully relax is just as important as being able to fully contract so um kind of covering covering all of that and then you know again with those patients sometimes we get you know you, you can have two things at once so sometimes women have pelvic bladder pain and they have pelvic dysfunction so um we would kind of cover as much as cover as much as i can in that kind of um 45 minute hour appointment um and then you know if i need to get them back for anything else then i absolutely would but um treatment wise it is very much just getting them to start doing their pelvic floor more regularly um, and getting them to understand so it's a lot of education kind of why the pelvic floor is important and how kind of having a strong pelvic floor or a, a good functioning pelvic floor in pregnancy means that you should recover you know better po postnatally um, and you know it, it's very variable some women I find that even during pregnancy if they really get on board with their pelvic floor exercises their stress incontinence and prolapse symptoms can resolve during that pregnancy um, some women it's just about maintaining maintaining as much function as we can, but then really making sure that they know that it's important to come back to us postnatally for rehab, um, you know, if their symptoms still persist kind of postnatally. Um, and I mean, again, even if their symptoms completely resolve postnatally, the fact that they had leaking during pregnancy would suggest to me that the pelvic floor probably isn't functioning as well as it could. So, you know, there are women that will say, but, oh, but it completely resolved. Um, but actually, you know, when you're when you get a lot older, you go through the menopause, and your estrogen levels start to drop, and your muscles maybe start to thin a little bit. Um, that might be then when you know it comes back to bite you. You you, you know you knew you had a a little bit of pelvic floor dysfunction in pregnancy, but you ignored it, didn't do anything about it. 10, 20 years later, that's when you start to see the problem. So you know, the earlier you can get intervention and get your pelvic floor stronger, um, functioning better, um, you know, the better your outcomes are when you go through the menopause or, you know, or put weight on, you know, it, that's one of your risk factors for, for weakening your pelvic floor. Have a lot of women that, that say on oh, pelvic floor was absolutely fine, but, you know, then I put on a couple of stone, you know, over the COVID pandemic, as we all did. Um, and, uh, and now my pelvic floor is uh, struggling to function and I'm leaking, I'm getting prolapse. And that's because, you know, increased BMI is a risk factor for pelvic floor dysfunction because there's more weight going through that pelvic floor. And it's not, it's never been trained to, to deal with that, with that demand that's being placed on it. Mm. So um so yeah um, I've actually forgot completely forgotten what your question was but I don't think I've gone too much off topic no, I think everything you said is is really important and it's just I think with um, the listeners listening you know to think about these things long term and also before like you said you know weight gain for example that's a, a contraindication to you know pelvic floor issues and it's just important to know you know because if you are overweight and then you get pregnant, that's you know even more pressure. So if you're overweight and you are experiencing these symptoms, perhaps work with a pelvic health physio, yeah. you know, whilst you're trying to conceive to to help this as well. You know, so um, okay, so we've got pelvic girdle pain, incontinence. <laughs> Is there anything else that you generally typically see? We sometimes see um, a bit of carpal tunnel pain in pregnancy, not very commonly, um, although I think it is common, but it just doesn't get referred to us um, that often. And that's, um, you know, pins and needles presenting kind of in the hands that's not associated with the, with the neck. Um, so, and that tends to be kind of, obviously you've got your carpal tunnel, but you've got different tendons and different nerves run through. Um, and as you get more swollen in pregnancy, which we all do, um, it can put more pressure um, over those nerves and that can cause kind of um neural symptoms like pins and needles and um, weakness in one hand or both hands um 
tends to be worse at night. Um, a lot of women say like hanging their hands out the bed will help with it. Um, what we tend to find helps is kind of um, splints to kind of um, maintain your wrist kind of in neutral as you sleep. So you're not putting too much pressure through those nerves and those tendons um, and, and the carpal tunnel. Um, you tend to find postnatally, it should resolve when your swelling improves. But you can do things like um, kind of massaging your hands to try and move some of that swelling out of the out of the hand and out of the wrist. Running your hands under or running your wrist under cold water can really help just to reduce that swelling. So you know anything to to, to reduce the swelling within your wrist can can make a difference. Um, you know. Um, slightly more not very exciting I must say but different exercises like getting a balloon and kind of batting it up and down can help just because when you engage your muscles it helps to pump some of that fluid back you know into your lymphatic system and kind of um, and can really help kind of move move things but I don't necessarily see it that often but I think it is it is common in pregnancy mm. most women I think um you know tend to put up with it um but there is stuff you can do to help. So I would say if you are experiencing those pins and needles kind of in, in your in your hands or that kind of feeling of kind of grip weakness and, and whatnot, it's worth worth seeing a physio. Um, and even more so if you get a neck pain, because we just want to make sure it's not coming from your neck or any, anywhere else. My, um, um, my auntie actually... Um had carpal tunnel but she's a hairdresser so with both of her pregnancies she had it but she just wore splints because obviously yeah. she's overusing her, her hands are up all the time you know Absolutely. and yeah she um she had the same okay so let's talk a little bit about uh diastasis recti yeah. or however you want to pronounce it there's about a hundred ways of <laughs> there are yeah, recti recti yeah. whatever can you explain like what that is is yeah. normal and can it be managed yeah so um so yeah really again another thing that's really common in pregnancy in fact I think it happens in majority of pregnancies so you've got your um rectus abdominis um at the front of your the front of your core um and they're basically kind of um in the simplest way to describe it is they're almost like two muscles um that are kind of flat side by side and they're they're attached by this sheath um, in the middle of them so it's like a um basically like a fascial sheath that attaches them um and it's called your, your linear alba if anyone's heard anyone say that um so and it runs down the center so you know from your sternum kind of down to your down to your pubic bone and, and during pregnancy your rectus abdominis as baby grows it will stretch as much as it can but when it gets to the point that it can't stretch anymore um you, you know something's got to give to to let baby grow basically so that fascia um that linear alba that attaches those muscles basically starts to kind of move apart and kind of stretch slowly to allow baby to to grow and you know all the extra fluid and placenta and everything that kind of you've got within your within your uh, uterus um um so yeah so basically those muscles separate and and they separate um and you know we think that they probably decondition quite a bit as well because you're not using them as much so um if you've got a, a rectus abdominis you um or, or a dra you'll, you'll probably notice that like when you're like sat in the bath or you go to sit up or you get to go out of bed um you almost get this like we call it doming or coning you get this kind of little triangle potentially on your on the center of your stomach almost like um that like pops up as you do it um and it's not dangerous it's absolutely nothing to worry about it's not going to you know cause any harm to baby or any harm to you um it, it's just your body trying to adapt to let to let baby grow basically um and we find that um postnatally probably about one third of women it just doesn't resolve by itself so they need kind of physio input um and that you know 
basically just consists of us seeing them around three, four weeks postnatally earlier if they feel they can get to us. But most women don't fancy a trip to physio before that. Um, and it basically just we, we assess and we look at the we look at the gap. But we also look at the at the that linear elbow. We look at the the kind of the sheath. What it's kind of what its tensile strength is like. Is it really really soft? You know, is it quite lax? And that's a really horrible word to use when a woman's just had a baby. But is that you know is it a little bit kind of floppy? Um, and it can't you know it can't um there's no tension in it so it can't your rectus abdominis can't work properly um uh, and then we look at the you know we obviously get them to do you might have you might have seen people doing it but kind of doing that head lift and look at um are them are the muscles engaging and are they moving back together and if they move back together you know that's that's great as long as the um as long as the the tensile strength the linear alba is good as well because sometimes we see women that don't think they have one because they they self-assess and they do the head lift and they feel the muscles come in and they maybe only have a finger um which is great because that means everything's moving in the right direction and the muscles are starting to function properly um but it's also just as important to check that that sheath because sometimes that sheath still is just that little bit kind of floppier or more lax so yes when they engage the muscles things are moving back together but actually when they're relaxed that that sheath is actually floppy um, and all the abdominal content is almost kind of pushing forward so quite often I have women come in that they're not sure if they've got one but they say you know when I eat I feel really bloated like my tummy really sticks out and people are still asking me if I'm if I'm pregnant um uh, because my, my tummy sticks out and, and that's more likely than not um because that 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 sheath that linear alba is actually just quite lax and when they're relaxed and the muscles aren't engaged all that abdominal content and pressure basically just pushes out so tummy yeah. sticks out a little bit more so in physio we work on you know getting that diverification resolved where we can getting the muscles um as close together um you know as as they should be but also getting that sheath um feeling tense as well so when they poke their tummy they don't just completely sink into the abdomen they feel kind of it should feel like a bit solid springy um, um and that's kind of at rest and during during activity yeah. um and then you know during pregnancy you know there, there are things you can do to maintain your core strength so you know exercise you know core is 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 safe during pregnancy as long as you're not you know leaking um and not getting any kind of back pain as you, as you're doing it there are core exercises that are you know perfectly safe to do and you can try and kind of reduce that um um the reduction in your your muscle strength but um ultimately if baby needs to grow quite often there's not a lot that you can do to change it but there's lots that you can do postnatally to rehab it because we know that unresolved diastasis can link to pelvic floor dysfunction and back pain. So don't just ig ignore it. Um, so yeah, if you think you've got one, you know, we're always more than happy to, to check and, and advise you. And either way, if you don't, even if you come in and you see one of us and actually we say, that all feels really good, your core's probably still going to be weak. Um, so it's still worth getting kind of the right exercises to start getting you a bit strong, stronger again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... Um... Oh, I was going to say something then and my brain's just <laughs> gone. Where was I going? I don't I'm really know. surprised this hasn't happened to me yet. <laughs> I've still got baby brain like two and a half years later. Sometimes there's like a word on the tip of my tongue and I just can't. Yeah. I just don't know what it is. I mean, so. I had that before pregnancy. Anyway. Oh, well, that's fine then. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you've got no chance then. Um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something in regards to my own sort of pregnancy journey. I found there was a point in which something didn't feel right in my tummy, like around my tummy button anymore. And I was like, hmm, is this the start of, you know, a diastasis happening? Is And at first I was a bit like, 
I don't know, because I'm very body aware, it is my job to, you know, look after my body, to teach others about my body. You know, I was doing a few tests and I was looking at getting Brad and I was like, do you reckon it's doming? Da, da, da. And so I just went to see my pelvic health physio because I, yeah. I, um, I was on holiday at the time, actually, and I felt like this weird... And if anybody else listens to this podcast and gets it as well, I know exactly what you're talking about. This weird, like, stretching feeling. It was almost like somebody scratching from the inside of my belly yeah. and above it. And I was like, what is it? It was so weird. And sometimes a little bit like a burning sensation. Yeah. And um, so I went to my pelvic health physio. I actually messaged her whilst I was on holiday because she has, like, a WhatsApp service, which I'm sure you do as well. And I was like, oh, this is happening. And she was like, okay, well, you know, don't panic. We'll check it when you get back. And when I went, she was like, yeah, you know, there is some diastasis there, but there's nothing to worry about. You know, it's about two centimeters around your belly button, one above, one below. It's very normal. Um, And just make sure you, you know, look after yourself when, and we talked about this before, like getting out of the bath. Like they always say, have baths in pregnancy. If you get pregnant and try and get out the bath, it is effort it's you're just stuck there you just shout for help yeah <laughs> so you know turning on to rather than sitting up you know yeah. and putting all that pressure through the front of your core rolling onto your side getting out of bed sensibly and little things like that get, getting off the sofa and also and this is just from learning through training other pregnant clients and myself how you actually load your body in terms of weight so I shared an Instagram post the other day about this in terms of like lap pull down when you're doing heavier weights you know when you're lifting weights trying not to put too much tension through the front of your body um mm-hmm. from like above because that's going to be a lot of pressure downwards and then obviously downwards it's going to go forwards into your sort of belly button area so it's really I think if you are worried or experiencing anything work with a professional like you know Caitlin or myself that knows these things that can adapt things for you so that you you know you might not be able to prevent it you you probably can't but you can manage it and I think that's the most important thing I've just remembered what I was going to say also I know we're going to do like a postnatal uh, podcast to talk about these things but I think what's also really important is just because you might end up having a c-section it doesn't mean that you haven't experienced diastasis and you know you've got you've got out of that like I think for a lot of women they think oh I've had a c-section so I'm okay I don't get any pelvic floor issues whereas actually that can happen can't it yeah 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 I think I have a lot of women that I maybe see on the postnatal ward and they'll say oh well my pelvic floor's fine because I've had a c-section and actually that's you know that's not true um you know pregnancy in itself is just the pregnancy carrying the baby for you know nine months weakens your pelvic floor it puts more pressure through your pelvic floor so you absolutely can have pelvic floor dysfunction following a c-section um and actually you know it's major abdominal surgery so you know they cut through your cut through your abdominal muscles um and you know your your body your your core and your your abdominal muscles are really really linked to your pelvic floor and if you've got dysfunction in one of them that can lead to dysfunction in the other so yeah I would absolutely say anyone that's had a c-section you know it's still worth coming for a post um postnatal assessment and even so kind of with those ladies I I would still do an internal assessment and see you know and, and see what's going on, on the pelvic floor but I would also focus a lot more on tummy and scar tissue massage and um you know scar tissue management making sure that they're not getting any kind of um 
kind of um, like shit, like almost where the where C-section sh- like causes a little shelf. I don't know if you've seen it. It almost like puckers in, um, and sometimes that's a sign that there's kind of tight tissues underneath that, or um, it's a little bit stuck to that fascia. So, kind of management of that early can can really help pelvic floor function, um, abdominal muscle function. So yeah, I think that it is a really common misconception that c-section doesn't affect your pelvic floor but you know it, it absolutely does and, and i think the other thing is you know pregnancy isn't the only thing that affects your pelvic floor so like we talked about increased bmi constipation um you know you know oh, yeah. yeah um yeah but yeah absolutely potentially um all of those things are going to have an impact on your on your pelvic floor so it, it you know isn't just pregnancy i would encourage you know any anyone that's got a pelvic floor to to, to see a, a pelvic health physio because you're going to reduce your risks of you know as you get older you, you pelvic floor dysfunction so yeah. um so yeah but you are right that that happens that you know that happens a lot yeah okay so we've talked quite a lot there i remembered what i was actually going to say <laughs> it was about width versus tension because this is something that i learned on my pre and postnatal course about diastasis and that is when you know postnatally we're not really looking at um how the finger width does matter but to a degree but actually it's more about the tension like you said absolutely yeah people become strong tension behind the the abdominal yeah yeah that linear albert is it is it tense i think that's the thing women get obsessed with the gap um and the gap isn't and actually you know again all of it is is all relative because function is the most important thing and not having pain and not having pelvic floor pelvic floor dysfunction and 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 you know your core um you know abdominal muscles working so yeah some women you know they they do end up with a, a you know a slightly larger gap but the, the tension is great and the muscles are functioning really well and that's absolutely you know that's yeah. absolutely fine and and i think the other thing is we don't assess these women um antenatally you know i only through my training could i tell you what my what my normal kind of diastasis gap was pre-pregnancy so I knew exactly what my goal was postnatally but there's going to be a spectrum of what's normal for for people um but yeah people become completely obsessed it all they want to know is that you know that that that, that gap's okay and and I get it because they you know obviously um aesthetically you know women are quite conscious postnatally and it's kind of all part of that but um but actually I'm you know I say yeah no the gap's really small but actually your fascial tension is still not great and that's what we really need to work on it's it's you know it's it's all of it it's not just the yeah not just the gap I've actually I've got a client who she is you know actually really 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 in shape she's got shredded like shredded abs and she's had uh one child yeah one child she has got a gap but I'm telling you her tension like literally her core tension is insane like she has got such a strong core but yeah you know actually visually to look at her core oh, to look yeah, at her house, she's yeah. got a gap but it's fine it's absolutely yeah. fine um okay let's start to round up now let's just quickly <laughs> cover exercise through pregnancy yeah. does yeah. it align with good pelvic health yeah absolutely yeah anything that's going to keep your body healthy is going to align with um yeah with good pelvic health and, and good pelvic floor function so i mean the general recommendations for exercise in pregnancy which you probably already know um are 150 minutes a week of moderate exercise um for women with um you know uncomplicated pregnancies um where it gets a little bit more difficult is the fact that there hasn't been a lot of research into those kind of pregnancies with you know with other things other things kind of going on um but we know generally um in majority of pregnancies exercises is safe for 
from conception up until until delivery and and and, and yeah and it reduces your risk of um you know things like preeclampsia gestational diabetes um and actually you know studies have shown that it, you have better um you know mother and baby outcomes um following or better deliveries and, and potentially kind of better outcomes following following delivery um of women that do try and um you know do exercise regularly um during pregnancy so so yeah keeping yourself fit and healthy um you know it's so important for your body but it's also so important for your mental health um you know and your recovery so so yeah i think sometimes if we're that kind of first point of contact with uh women in pregnancy that aren't really sure what they should be doing or if they should be exercising um i think it's it's our job really to encourage them to exercise um and you know and and kind of try and break down some of those barriers because there's a lot of barriers to exercise in pregnancy i mean you know in the first 12 weeks i felt gross yeah could not be bothered um and that you know and you've got to listen to your body you're really tuned you know most women are really tuned in in pregnancy to their bodies they know how they're feeling and we don't want anyone to force themselves to do exercise and they don't feel like it but you know exercise and, and physical activity even you know even things like just going out for a little bit of a walk or um you know going up and down the stairs a couple of times that is that's physical activity um and you know and that still counts towards your 150 minutes a week it doesn't have to be you know going into the gym or going to an antenatal pilates class it just you know something is better than nothing and i think even though the you know the studies suggest 150 minutes a week we know that you know it, anything is 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 going to help so you know if you can't manage a half an hour walk a day you know five ten minute walk a day it's still going to be it's still going to be better for you or you know again with there's you know women with pelvic gutter pain that are struggling with walking you know can they swim can they do antenatal pilates is there another exercise that they can do that's you know that, that's comfortable for them um and i think one of the other you know the, the big things that we get is you know women that have don't exercise and then they get pregnant and they feel like they they you know that I don't you know I don't know where it's come from but you know one of the myths that you know you shouldn't start exercising if you've never exercised before in pregnancy well when you get pregnant that's, you know it's a great time to start exercising not you know I'm not wanting you to train for like a marathon or anything but you know walking your low level activities they, they're good for you and we know they reduce you know they reduce complications in pregnancy and, and postnatally so um so yeah I think seeking advice and I mean that's probably where you know where, where you're great with kind of your antenatal fitness and classes because you know you're not asking everyone to start lifting weights if they've not lifted weights before you just want to get them moving and, and and you know get the heart rate up a little bit at a kind of a comfortable level for them um so yeah exercise I think is just so important in pregnancy and I I exercised that the whole of my pregnancy and I you know I, I did have gestational diabetes um you know um but but I think that that really helped me manage my blood glucose levels um and you know postnatally I've got you know back to the gym when I felt I was able to and and yeah I think that and, and that'll probably be similar similar to you because you've exercised throughout the whole whole of your pregnancy you know there's so many other health benefits um but but where it's a little bit difficult is those women that are having complications in pregnancy there's no there are no guidelines and that's what's really difficult and there is research um there's a lot of ongoing research all these great researchers doing research for us um looking into you know we know at the moment the, the advice is moderate level activity we don't have much evidence for high level activity during pregnancy or kind of your high level athletes um you know we don't have the evidence for that at the moment so you know generally the advice is moderate moderate level ex kind of exercise in pregnancy um it should be safe from conception to, to delivery yeah amazing and i think that the, the, the one thing to remember here especially if you are pregnant and you're listening to this remember <laughs> 
when you have your baby, I mean, it's not happened to me yet, but when you have your baby, you are then not only lifting a baby, you're lifting the car seat, the practice. Oh, the, other day, so heavy. the other day, we had a bit of a practice run of how we were going to fit the dog, the pram, the car seat all in the car. I literally almost had meltdown. Yeah, uh, honestly. <laughs> It, I changed my car. Oh, but everything's so heavy, you know. And I would say I'm pretty strong. And yeah. to that somebody who's, you know, never really strength trained or exercised before has got to suddenly, you know, be able to handle a shopping bag, a car seat, a baby, all in one go, and you know, still be early in their postnatal recovery. Yeah. That blows my mind. And I think. If you are somebody who's never trained or exercised before pregnancy, like definitely do because you're about to run a marathon. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, you, but yeah, you know, it, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and I think that yeah, that's exact, that's exactly right. And like we said, exercise, you know, is good. I mean, there obviously are some reasons that you know we wouldn't want you to exercise in kind of kind of during exercise if you've got any kind of vaginal bleeding or became dizzy or you were you know you were getting kind of painful contractions, um, you know, um, any new headaches, all of those things. But basically, we want you to stop exercising, kind of the same as if if any person that wasn't pregnant was exercising you know, you'd stop for all of those you'd stop for all of those reasons and kind of get them get them checked out you know chest pain all, all of those things you know you don't we don't want you to push through unusual symptoms that you don't normally have we always want you to go and get those checked out but but, but ultimately if you're you know if you're feeling good and you're listening to your body and you're in tune with your body um you know doing exercise is, is beneficial for you yeah absolutely I've only had one occasion where I've had one client but she had a particularly uh she had a miscarriage before she was pregnant got pregnant again and then had some issues throughout her pregnancy in which her midwife turned around and said I don't want you to exercise and you know she was quite happy to take that advice and I was like yeah do exactly what they say and you know beautiful baby he's lovely you know he's amazing and he's healthy etc and as as soon as she had her baby she came back to me and you know we've worked together yeah. and, and I think she's regained her strength etc so. yeah and I think that's really important and I think clarifying you know I think that's the other thing you go into a consultant or a midwife appointment they tell you not to exercise you know what does that what does that mean I think it's really important for, to advocate for yourself or if patients haven't asked I'm more than happy to advocate for them and you know email the consultant speak to the midwife and say okay you said no exercise but what do you mean by no exercise are you telling this person they can't get up off the sofa and go to the fridge because that's what they've taken it as or are you telling them they can't go to the gym and do antenatal classes and you know go for, for runs you know are they okay to still do you know a 10 minute walk and, and that will really vary and really has to be consultant led you know as a as a physio I'm not going to be the one advising on that but I think that that just saying for some women blanket no exercise there's all you know all of these um conditions are you know they're on a spectrum and some women will still be allowed to do 10 15 minute walks some women will be on strict bed rest so so I think if you are in a situation where you are in an appointment and they say don't exercise just get some clarity on what they mean by that because there might still be things that you can do that are going to be beneficial you know to your pregnancy some you know some women panic and they say you know I've read that I need to be doing 150 minutes of of exercise a week and I've been told that I can't and 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 then so I think sometimes just just getting the clarity and then just remembering that anything is better than nothing as long as you know as long as you've been cleared by your consultant or midwife to do it um yeah it's you know it's beneficial for you yeah, I think she uh, she was told she could do half an hour walk, and that was that. Well, was, yeah, that's it was it was about keeping a moderate heart rate and not yeah. heart rate getting too yeah. 
Exactly. Okay, so to finally round up, what are your three top tips for any pregnant women out there wanting to support their pelvic health throughout pregnancy? Fine. So my first one has to be doing your pelvic floor exercises. <laughs> so um, I would tend to say you're aiming for three times a day, you're going to try and do um, 10 kind of slow squeezes where you squeeze, um, you know, contract your pelvic floor, hold it for a couple of seconds. Um, you know, I think the Squeezy app, you, I think you can set it to what you feel able to do, but, you know, 10 seconds is is what we want you to aim for, but you may not be able to do that if your pelvic floor is a bit weak. Um, just do what you feel you can do. Um, and then, you know, with the slow squeezes, it's really important that you're then fully letting yourself relax. So don't go straight into the next one. You're giving yourself at least four seconds to relax that pelvic floor, and then you're trying to squeeze again and then you're following that with 10 quick squeezes you can do it whichever way around you you want to be fair it doesn't really matter but I tend to go slow and then quick um uh you know so pelvic floor regularly really really important if you're struggling to remember it you know set an alarm on your phone write a note on the fridge um do it whilst you're waiting for the kettle to boil something that you do every day um or download something like the squeezy app that's gonna kind of remind you to do it and kind of keep you accountable uh my next tip probably just following on from that is if you are struggling with anything in pregnancy i would recommend seeing a, a, a pelvic health physio so that's pelvic girdle pain incontinence um you know diastasis or, or just anything that you're worrying about that's what we're here for and ultimately if we don't know we'll find out for you because you know we're in a great position to be able to talk to the the mdt so the multidisciplinary team around your care and make sure that you get those answers that you you know that, that you need and that are going to help you um throughout your pregnancy um and then my last one you know is because you know it's quite relevant to what i've just been talking about is you know trying to exercise in pregnancy if you can because the benefits you know the benefits are are fantastic and there's a lot of good resources um out there just you know advising you on what type of exercise to do but again if you're unsure seek support from a professional you know like neil angie who know uh, know about this stuff um, amazing and um with your uh social media handles as well i'll share your website and if you've got Lovely. any links or anything uh, any videos of you teaching this stuff please send it over and i can add it to the show notes as well you know if i do have anything of me <laughs> um i have done a couple of webinars but i don't think they're recorded okay. um i've obviously got kind of my instagram um which is physio um underscore co um so co which stands for caitlin o'malley because that's my name um Actually, that's my uh, maiden name. Um, my actual name is Kayla Nichols, but uh, but I've kept my professional name as O'Malley, um, just in case anyone listening thinks that's not that's not who I know you by. Um, uh, so yeah, so um, basically, to book an appointment, you can message me on Instagram or you can call me. I'm you know, unless I am in the middle of seeing a patient, I tend to answer your call or get straight back to you. Um, or my Facebook or my Instagram takes you through to my WhatsApp and you can WhatsApp me or you can email me. Basically, you can just get in contact with me however you feel comfortable. I know sometimes calling to talk about these things can be a little bit scary, um, although I am lovely um, and I will look after you. Um, do say so myself. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, any you know any way that you feel comfortable to, come, to contact me, I'd be more than happy to offer offer you an appointment or, or or you know at least just give you some advice if you if you're struggling with anything and you you're not sure if you need you need physio input amazing 
thank you so so much for your time today I know you've taken time out of your day to do this so thank you so much and um I know we're going to do another chat soon about postnatal postnatal stuff the other side the dark side we'll do it Um, when you've had your baby yes yes and uh, I might even be sitting here uh breastfeeding you might um anyway thank you so much and i hope the listeners got a lot from this and if you have a question for either me or caitlin please do get in touch Um, and share this episode with other mothers mothers to be as well and remember just because you know you might have had your baby 10 years ago you can still go and see somebody like caitlin you know pelvic physio just for pregnancy it's for all walks of life so thank you for your time today and thank you for having me yeah it's been fab having you on thank you bye